G'day you mob, Pete here, and this is another episode of Aussie English, the number one place for anyone and everyone wanting to learn Australian English. So, today I have a GOSS episode for you where I sit down with my old man, my father, Ian Smithson, and we talk about the week's news, whether locally down under here in Australia or non-locally <laughs> overseas in other parts of the world, okay? And we sometimes also talk about whatever comes to mind, right? If we can think of something interesting to share with you guys related to us or Australia, we also talk about that in the GOSS. So, these episodes are specifically designed to try and give you content about many different topics where we're obviously speaking in English and there are multiple people having a natural and spontaneous conversation in English. So, it is particularly good to improve your listening skills. In order to complement that though, I really recommend that you join the podcast membership or the academy membership at aussieenglish.com.au where you will get access to the full transcripts of these episodes, the PDFs, the downloads, and you can also use the online PDF reader to read and listen at the same time, okay? So, if you really, really want to improve your listening skills fast, Get the transcript, listen and read at the same time, keep practicing, and that is the quickest way to level up your English. Anyway, I've been rabbiting on a bit, I've been talking a bit. Let's just get into this episode, guys. Smack the bird, and let's get into it. Dad, Dad, what's going on? Hey, P. What's the guy? How are you going? I'm going well. Yeah, the sun's out. What's going on? Today was supposed to be pissing with rain all day and it rained mm-hmm. for five minutes this morning and the sun's been out. So Wasn't that meant to be the forecast for the entire week? It was like it 80% was. And then, chance and then, of rain. Look, the low pressure system that's sitting over the you know western side of Bass Strait got stalled, which does happen at this time of the year, and it went north, which happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that explained why we got delayed, but it was supposed to sp- keep keeps being stalled and sit over the top of us, but it's apparently buggered off. So Not complaining. No, I was. I had a plan a week ago that I was going to go out and do some walking in the local wildlife um, sanctuary and do some photography, and then I cancelled that today because I thought, no, it's going to be pissing with rain all day, so I'm not going to bother. I'll do something else. Have they still got wallabies there? They do, and they, there's actually a um, eastern grey kangaroo that's been seen there now too. So I wonder if you just like have random people who just capture these animals around Australia and well, then drive yeah. to Ocean Grove. And well, the wallabies are not fence. surprising. It's, it's big <laughs> enough that it will have had a, a long-term um, black wallaby, the swamp wallaby population. Uh, yeah. But there's also a couple of, there have been a couple of um, redneck wallabies, which um, are, used to be indigenous to this area. And I suspect they probably don't have a big enough area for them to you know, have a viable population. But mm. Uh, but there's a couple of them there that have been there for a while. I haven't seen them recently, but awesome. Yeah, you get your decent dose of macropods. Yeah, exactly, and mostly birds. And it's it's wildflower time too. There's lots of little orchids and flowers and stuff around. So I was going to do a a month of macro photography, whether that was once a month or thirty times a month. But apparently now it's going to be thirty because I didn't do it on the first. So for those mm. of you who are watching this later, it is when we are recording this. It's the first of October. So that's yeah, it'll probably come out in December. Probably so. come out in December, but yeah. <laughs> so what happened to macro months? Gotta, uh, didn't do it. You got to stay up to date. So uh, I've got a story here about Guri or Guri. Gurry, uh, previously known as yeah, Gurry. Sorry, uh, previously known as Fraser Island. Fraser Island. So the world's largest sand island is returning to its first Australian origins, with Fraser Island being renamed 
Gary or Gary. 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 It's yeah. very difficult to work this out. I had to see the actual phonetic spelling because it's K apostrophe G A R I. Yeah, and that, that actually, I, I read the story as well before you sent it, and um, I have this, and I'd love to, and I, I will do it. I'll make a little project of mine one day to, you know, next time I'm having a chat to um, an indigenous person, as to actually ask them how we determine spelling using the latin alphabet of indigenous language because wow. if the word is guri or gari and it's, it's gari well they have here they have here pronounced and then in you know quotation in marks the, yeah, gari or gari so why isn't it just spelt g-u-r-r-i <laughs> and, well, and i, I would and be i mean no way being negative about it because yeah. clearly at some stage indigenous people People have decided this is how we use the Latin language to actually yeah. use the subtlety. Because I suspect, and yeah, you'll know being multilingual, I'm not, um, that subtlety in pronunciation of language is often lost to people who are not native speakers of that language. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, Kel can't tell the difference between bread and bread, which you and I hear that as going, they are Light completely and day, different. Yeah, night and day. And, and she can't hear it. And that's, she just simply can't because- the same phonetic sound that we have would be pronounced exactly the same in Portuguese. And so she would hear it as the same thing. And I suspect what's happening here is that there is a subtlety in the pronunciation of this word that the K apostrophe G means there is a different consonant sound from just putting a G there. Um, and, and yet for us, it's just gurry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I would imagine that it would have been probably one of those gutty. early yeah. um, anthropologists that probably wrote this down. And at the time that they would have been interacting with the Buchala people here from um, Gary, which was Fraser Island, mm. they wouldn't have had the uh, international phonetic alphabet of the time. So they would have been trying to describe the sounds that they heard using just the, you know, English alphabet. But yeah, that's what I was about to say. I would like, I'd prefer to hear this from an Indigenous person saying the actual word so that I could get an idea of yeah, how it actually yeah. sounded instead of having to try and use just English letters to represent it because you're almost certainly incorrect. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, the World Heritage Committee has already signed off on the renaming and the state government is finalising the paperwork after a naming ceremony was held on the island um, last Sunday, although this would have been a few Sundays ago now. Um, Environment Minister Megan Scanlon. Oh, no, no, it was last Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> no, this is a week and a half old. So, yeah. yeah, two Sundays ago. Two Sundays um, ago. Megan Scanlon, who attended the ceremony, said reverting the historic name was an important step in the culture of Queensland. Mm -hmm. Quote, what a lot of people don't understand or don't realise is the term Fraser Island is really quite offensive to a lot of the traditional owners. And rightly so, too. Yeah. For many years, they have been advocating for the name change. So it was yeah. a significant moment. This was one of those things that I was totally oblivious to. So apparently, Fraser Island was named after- Eliza um, Fraser. <clears throat> the wife of Captain James Fraser, Eliza yes. Fraser, who was aboard, I think, the Stirling Castle ship. That's it. When yeah. it struck a reef hundreds of kilometres north of Gurry. So they end up launching a boat and mm -hmm. um, landing on Gurry. And 11 survivors split into two groups, Eliza and her husband in the second group, and attempted to trek south, surviving on pandanus and berries until they reached Hook Point. Yes. Eliza later claimed she was captured by the Bachala. Uh, her husband either died from starvation or from his injuries. Many other survivors of the same shipwreck later disputed Eliza's claims of capture and ill treatment. So apparently she was, I don't know, 
ended up falling in with the Bachala people. Yes. And then they've obviously, you know, given her enough food and water and taken care of her, whether or mm. not they captured her or, um, you know, she just stuck around with them and they were like, here, have some food and water. No, no issue. But then later she's effectively just shat on them, right? And being like, Pretty much. Know, these these uh, horrible people captured me and forced yeah. me into and living here and blah, blah, blah. I haven't, I haven't read her actual story, the memoirs that she wrote from this time, but I've read a few people who are reporting on it. Yeah. And it reads like a 19th century Mills and Boone romance novel, <laughs> um, allegedly. Um, and clearly, she has fantasized the entire story. Whether mm. whether that is a subliminal fantasy that you know, she has interpreted all the things that went on through, you know, what we would expect as a middle to upper class European woman, um, you know, being stranded in this situation, which must have been extremely traumatic for Terrifying, her. Terrifying, <laughs> yeah. And her husband's died and she's left with these native people that she can't communicate with. Um, but all of the other sailors who ended up in the other group who equally got mm-hmm. you know, taken on by another group of the Bachella people um, <laughs> who like, said, these guys came and rescued us and yeah. they looked after us and yeah, eventually- No issues. Got, yeah, and yeah, so she just made the whole lot up. Um, and, and that's the objection that the local people have had all the time mm-hmm. is that, um, and because not only that, but once her story got out, it then generated a effectively, a, it wasn't quite a massacre, but it was effectively an extermination of those people on the island. Okay. Uh, not all of them were killed, but it was, we've got to get rid of people on this island. You know, well, what difference does it make whether they're on the island or on the mainland? But, yeah. um, and so that's where the local people there have all, for the entire time, have objected to the use of the term Fraser Island um, for this place because they yeah, say that- this does not represent the... <sighs> Indigenous owners of the land. Well, even worse um, than that, it was, you know, this this person who, for all intents and purposes, was a bad actor, right? Uh, yeah. You know, did everything for herself and um, threw shade at the Indigenous people where it wasn't warranted. And mm-hmm. they end up having to live on a, an island that they've been on for probably thousands of years. And it gets named after this, you know, piece of shit person who's, who's just crapped no, on Not only that, but they were killed and taken away from the island. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, yeah, so they're just like, I, I yeah. that blew my mind. At first I was like, why are they changing Fraser Island's name? You know, because I had absolutely no idea about the, yeah. the backstory. And I'm like, oh my God, it's taken this well, long? And like- the, the National Park, um, National Parks of Queensland changed the name of the National Park, which is the majority of the island. Yeah. Um, to Gurry. Um uh, earlier this year, I think it was sort of March or April that they changed the name. So the actual formal changing of the name of the island uh, has sort of followed from that, which is a good thing, I reckon. So yeah, you know, well, and we should, it- given the irony that we have so many places in Australia that mm-hmm. use Indigenous names. More and, and more do this, yeah. Yeah, it, you look at it and go, why aren't we reverting to the Indigenous names when they are known yeah. and they have been in continuous use all the way along? Um, yeah, pronunciation aside, uh, but yeah, I think that's a, I mean, it's a good thing that we're actually using the you know, the original names for these places. So. Yeah, and particularly be- a place where this is such a famous place. It's a world heritage area, and we only have two or three of them in Australia. Uh, it's a world heritage area. It's I mean, you've been there. It's an amazing place. Um, it's well, you describe it. I went there with you. What I would have been twelve. It was two thousand. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah. it would have been 12, 13 years old and we ended up doing a four-wheel yeah. driving um, we trip did. there. 
Yeah. And this is the one of the places in Australia where you will find the most purebred dingoes in the wild because they're obviously yes. stranded yeah. on this Arguably island. Arguably the only ones that are left because they're they're isolated on the island. Um, everywhere else in Australia, there's intermingling. Um, <clears throat> and for a long time, it had been illegal to have dogs on the island. Um, yeah, so as a result. Been, yeah, there hasn't been a long-term you know, interbreeding um, of dingoes and you know, human created you know, breeds of dogs. So. Well, and this, was this before any children had died on the island as a result of the dingoes that when we went we there? were there, I think there might have been a couple, but, yeah, there have been a lot more since because I think the, the population of dingoes has increased. Uh, the, the number of visitors there has increased. Yeah. And so you throw those two things together, then the interactions between humans and dingoes is going to increase. Well, I think uh, people aren't just, and they're just dingoes not aware. Are scavengers. Yeah, dingoes are scavengers. So, people aren't aware of the fact that these are wild dogs and that they're yeah. going to be opportunistic. And if they find, you know, a child on their own that's a toddler or something or a baby, there's a story yeah. that was on, um, I don't know if it was a current affair or not, you know, 60 minutes or something, but it was one of these couples that had gone there and left their baby in the caravan and or the, the tent and the dingoes just opened the tent and were pulling the baby out of the tent when they yeah. got, got there and were like, whoa, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, but, you know, for them, it's just a small animal. Yeah, yeah well, that's it. Why would you not? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, but there have been some tragic deaths on there. They coming have. back, Coming back to Eliza, yeah, the, the last thing that sort of put the nail in the coffin for me with her was here. Eliza later secretly married another sea captain, Captain Alexander Green, in mm-hmm. Sydney, and they both returned to England aboard his ship, the Mediterranean Packet. Controversy followed when she appeared before the Lord Mayor of London to request that a charity appeal to be be set up for her three children as she was left penniless after her husband had died, previous husband, um, not mentioning the fact that her ma- not mentioning the fact that she'd been married to Captain Green or that she'd already received four hundred pounds in Sydney by a fund mm-hmm. that had been set up to help her and her kids. Yep. And then she sensationalized all the accounts of her experience which were published <laughs> in London. Yeah. And it's one of those irritating things. This happens quite a lot, I've found, and we'll probably talk about this in the next story about I think it's Tom Wills, right? Yes. Where a lot of the time back then in the eighteen hundreds the English, especially those in London, in the media, in the press, went nuts for stories about people interacting with Indigenous people. Yeah, well, it was and the And they usually thing. blew them way out of proportion. You know, I yeah. think that that um, William Buckley, who got lost, or who got mm. lost, who who ends up running away as a convict in, I think it's 1803. 1803, yeah. In, um, what, what was he on, Port side of the bay here yeah, in Victoria. Yeah, on the Mornington Peninsula and ended yeah. up on the Bellarine Peninsula. He on the ends other up side with the, the Wadarong and stays with them for 35 years and, you know, then finally ends up coming back into Western society and then going back to, to Great Britain, tells his story. But I think it gets published in the newspaper and then all these accounts of cannibalism and all this other crap ends up in there and you... you yeah, and he when I was, said, I didn't yeah, say any of this. Yeah, he was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it is crazy to see how much these that historians today in particular have to read this and always take it with a grain of salt mm. and be like, uh, a lot of it, we have to just kind of take out of it what we can in terms of places. And Well, it was the fantasy of the exotic. And yeah. this is, a, you got to remember in the 19th century, this is at the same time as zoos started to appear in Europe. Yeah. Um, originally, they were private zoos. Just you know, very wealthy people would go out collecting animals, uh, or have them collected on their behalf and bring them back. And then they became public zoos, and and it was the as I said, the fantasy of the exotic. You know, being able to see and yeah, you know, can you imagine if you'd grown up in 
central London, yeah, in the streets of London for your entire life, and you go to a zoo and you see an elephant. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's this, and then the stories around that, you know, the elephant looks fearsome and everything, and gorillas, which are about the most passive animals on earth, became the King Kong myth. Um, and, and so it, this was all about, you know, fantasizing the adventure and it always had to be dangerous and indigenous people always had to be headhunters and cannibals. There was never any of this, oh, well, they just looked after me. And then a few months later, somebody found me <laughs> and I went back to, you know, to civilization, whatever that means. Um, it always, yeah, there was a temptation both from the audience and the author to go to the extreme. Mm-hmm. So, this is original clickbait. Yeah. It, well, exactly. Yeah. Well, you, so- hey, you want to sell your story? What's your yeah. story? What's the Mention better some, story? Sprinkle here? some cannibalism in there. Put exactly. Some cannibalism. What's the, better, there. what's the better story? <laughs> um, the last thing I guess I wanted to end this episode on was talking about the fact that Gary is derived from a Dreamtime creation story, and the following comes from Fraser-Tours.com. The name is derived from an Aboriginal Dreamtime story about a goddess named Gary who fell in love with the earth and never wanted to leave. According to the story, the gods set out to find a place for humans to live who had newly been created. Gari, alongside Yen Jingi, um, the messenger of the great god Beryl, uh, were sent down to earth to find such a place. But Gari herself fell so in love, she never wanted to leave. She was then changed. She was then changed. Uh, she was then changed her into. Yeah, that's weird. Maybe she then changed herself into the Great Sand Islands so that she could stay on her beloved earth forever. Beryl placed lakes, forests, flowers, animals, birds, and people there to keep her company. So, pretty touching story. Much better Mm. one than calling it Fraser Island. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it is paradise, and the word now means paradise in the local language. So, And it is. It's an incredible place. Yeah, it's insane. I remember when we went there, there were quite a few of these... uh, streams right with just crystal clear water that you could kind of line and float down yeah and you know it was just yeah really well, this beautiful. water that's been filtered through sand dunes for a thousand years by the time it pops out again and heads out to sea so yeah yeah insane anyway let's finish up there guys and we'll see you all next right. time bye peace Alrighty, you mob, thank you so much for listening to or watching this episode of The Goss. If you would like to watch the video, if you're currently listening to it and not watching it, you can do so on the Aussie English channel on YouTube. You'll be able to subscribe to that. Just search Aussie English on YouTube. And if you're watching this and not listening to it, you can check this episode out also on the Aussie English podcast, which you can find via my free Aussie English podcast application on both Android and iPhone. You can download that for free or you can find it via any other good podcast uh, app that you've got on your phone, Spotify, podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it is. I'm your host, Pete. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a ripper of a day and I will see you next time. Peace.